from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The highlight to start the show from, from happier times for Northwestern could also be happier times for for the ACC, uh, even though, you know, hey, what does Northwestern have to do with that? Well, Jim Phillips is what Northwestern and the ACC are, are dealing with right now. The, the ACC can't catch a break, right? I mean, we're in ACC country here, triangle. That, that makes a lot of sense. The Big Ten, they're getting USC, UCLA. The SEC, they're getting Texas, Oklahoma. The ACC are getting caught in scandals that don't even have to do with your conference's teams. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips is the one in the eye of the storm right now. And I can't think of a time in college sports history where you need more attention and focus and, and complete like like blinders tunnel vision from your commissioner than right now. And, and Jim Phillips has to deal with something that uh, nobody wants to deal with. And that is he's expected to be named the defendant in a lawsuit. ESPN's Adam Rittenberg tweeted out today, a second ex-Northwestern player has filed a lawsuit against the university and its leaders. The person, listed as John Doe 2, played for Northwestern from 2018 to 2022. Former Northwestern Athletics Director Jim Phillips, now ACC Commissioner, is listed as a new defendant in this complaint. Here's Adam Rittenberg with the latest. Another lawsuit was filed earlier today by a different set of attorneys that added ACC commissioner and former longtime athletic director at Northwestern, Jim Phillips, alongside former head coach Pat Fitzgerald, the current athletic director, and, and the current school president. So th this is just the beginning stage as far as these, uh, these uh, complaints. These attorneys here, Crump and Levin, saying they're in touch with new athletes every hour from Northwestern and also from other schools that have been through this type of behavior. It is getting hairy. Over 50 former athletes, men and women. What that means is it's it's now. I mean, actually, let, let, let's take one step back, look at the big picture, bird's mm -hmm. eye view this thing, and say uh, the allegations are serious. So anytime you're discussing this type of situation – that's the most important, right? If if the allegations prove true, then then you're you're worried about getting the support and then the the hopefully some type of closure for the victims. Like that's number one. Uh, again, allegations at this point, but you know how it is. Here on a sports show, though, you look at it from a different perspective, right? You look at it from how is this going to impact uh, the ACC? How is this going to impact Northwestern? What coaching searches and everything else that that can spiral out from it can ripple out from it. And obviously, these these former players, these former athletes, and their uh, stories, their opinions are going to impact everything moving forward. And and we'll we'll play a clip from one of them now. This is Lloyd Yates, a former Northwestern quarterback, about the uh, the allegations within the football program. The abuse of hazing was so entrenched in the Northwestern football co culture that even some of our coaches took part in it. The graphic, sexually intense behavior was well known throughout the program. We were physically and emotionally beaten down, and some players have contemplated suicide as a result. Serious stuff we're dealing with here. Now, obviously, 
and and it, it needs to be said, when the courts get involved, lawsuits are filed, lawyers get involved, evidence, discovery, there'll be rulings, right? There'll be judges. You kind of have to wait to see how it all plays out. Right. There's there. That's why those systems exist. That's why those those elements of our society exist. But it is getting more interesting by the hour with every press conference. There's new information coming out. There's new allegations with every uh, added former player into the, the lawsuit. It gets a little bit more difficult to navigate. And more hairy for Jim Phillips specifically. Yeah. Now that it's not just football and baseball, guess what? Both men and women, it feels like it's more of an athletics program-wide thing we're dealing with now rather than, oh, there was this one team or this, you know, the couple of teams just in their locker rooms. Or a single incident. Exactly. It's more difficult for somebody who's overlooking all of it to say, I had no clue when it was kind of ever-present, which is what the allegations are making it seem like it is. We've seen softball and volleyball mentioned today. Softball, volleyball, in addition to football and baseball, and it's it's. I mean, how many until we're like, okay, it was everywhere. Yeah. If again, if it proves true, from an ACC perspective, right? Because Northwestern, they're they've got a lot to get through. Jim Phillips has a lot to get through. Pat Fitzgerald has a lot to get through. These players, these former players, have a lot to get through. Current players have a lot to get through. A lot of decisions to be made. From the ACC's perspective, this might be the most important time in college sports history to have the full and complete attention and focus of your conference's commissioner on the things that are on your plate, right? A commissioner with nothing separate on their plate, like their personal plate, has a ton to deal with. Conference realignment, rumors, expansion, decisions. Should you be looking for more teams to join the ACC? The media rights deal. Everything, the the, the lawyers pouring over the uh, grant of rights and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. That is enough right there. Add in name, image, and likeness. Add in transfer portal changes. Add in looming media rights deals for the Pac-12. Add in streaming rights. Add in all of these things. They need to be top of mind for the health of the Atlantic Coast Conference, right? They need to be whoever's making the decisions for your conference needs to have those things right at the top of their thought process every waking moment that they are on the clock. Now, I'm lucky enough, and hopefully many of you are lucky enough. I've never been in a situation where I was the defendant in a high-profile lawsuit, but I have to imagine that's tough to just, like, compartmentalize and put aside. Knock on wood. <laughs> exactly. The, the, whatever your... your uh, superstition is throw the salt over the shoulder do whatever you got to do but it but it is i don't think that's something that you can completely and totally like put out of your mind when you have to focus on something else even if you even if you're confident like i've done nothing wrong and then you're confident that the truth will set me free you're still going like all right we at least got to deal with it it's probably gonna be expensive and that's where the ACC is, right? You know, just this week, it was SEC Media Day. Greg Sankey, the SEC's commissioner, is standing up at a podium saying, we are a super conference. We're worried about expanding to 16 teams, which means Texas and Oklahoma are coming. Like, they are excited. They are proud, right? Popping their chest up and saying, we're the SEC. Meanwhile, the ACC's commissioner is going to have to step up to the podium and say, well, I'm going to wait for the legal process to play out. And he's going to have to dodge and dip and duck and dive and dodge. That's the difference right there. The ACC is not operating from from a point of attack, right? Go make sure you're seizing all of the opportunities. They're operating from a point of 
hey, if we if we lay low for a while, maybe it'll pass. Yeah. And that is not a great place for anybody. Not even, you know, one of the three most powerful conferences in college sports. And I'm generously listing that at three because if it were two, the ACC probably wouldn't be included. You haven't tuned in yet. You haven't yet heard me say that the Carolina Hurricanes are really, really good on defense. I'm not the first to say it. I don't. I don't. Some might to. even say great. Some uh, great, unbelievable, fantastic, magnificent. There's a terrific. There's a whole bunch of different words and synonyms that could describe that. that their ability to stop the other team from scoring. Um, and it's scheme. It's it's what Coach Rod Brindamore has, has put together. It's really whoever's between the pipes, and they've rotated them through pretty good over the last year and, and all, over the last couple of years. Also the guys that are playing back there, and they've got a whole bunch of good ones in the defense. Now they – the rumor is, or the, the the popular question right now, I guess, is are the Hurricanes going to trade for Eric Carlson? And I want to know why this is a question. Now, the obvious answer to, to, to why is it a question is because Eric Carlson is good. Like We can get that out of the way. right? Terrific, magnificent. We, we can go through all of the, the, the same uh, synonyms that we just did for the defense, right? Been an all-star for the better part of a decade. He's a three-time uh, Norris Trophy winner, and he won it last year. So... You know, the resume speaks for itself. He's not someone that you have to to twist facts to, to explain how good they are, right? There are certain athletes where their value comes outside of the, the stat sheet or their value is hard to see. No, you can, you can see Carlson's value, right? He brings it in ways that are noticeable. But I still don't think the Carolina Hurricanes should be in, in that trade market. Mm-hmm. First of all, because he's good and because he had a great season last year, he's going to come on the trade market with a price tag of someone that is good and had a great or is great and had a great season last year. You know, the the Dennis and I were trying to to come up with what it would cost to bring in a player like like Eric Carlson. Yeah. And we settled on uh probably Pesci, picks, players, prospects. It's gonna take a lot. Maybe a forward. And then you have to add into the fact that San Jose would probably have to retain a bunch of his salary because the the Carolina Hurricanes would have to do a, an unbelievable amount of gymnastics to make it work under the cap. Mm-hmm. So you're paying a premium on a premium player. Like you're already paying top shelf prices for a really good player. Then you're going to have to pay pay a premium on top of that as, as far as resources, right? Give up maybe more draft picks, maybe more prospects in order to justify San Jose taking on four or five million of of his salary and the price gets pretty exorbitant pretty quickly. Anybody that's ever, uh, you've ever done like an online custom thing, right? Sometimes some car companies can do this, right? You, yeah. you select the model and then they're like, do you want leather seats? And you're like, yes. Would you like a moonroof? You're like, absolutely. Do you want this? And you just keep clicking. Yes. Then you get to the end and they show you the price and you go, well, I don't need leather seats. And <laughs> I've seen the moon before. I can look out the side window, right? Sure. To me, it's kind of like that. It's like Eric Carlson is great. Every team in the league should want him. Okay, cost a lot. Okay, it's going to cost more because you're going to have to have him take on some of the salary. Okay, you're going to have to do this. And it's like, you know what? Maybe, you know, just take it all back. Never mind. I'm just going to, I'm just going to log out of this one. I'm, I liked the idea of it at the beginning, but it just costs too much. And 
this is what we've talked about over the first two days a few times uh, of the show, and now we're bringing it up on the third. He plays defense. The Hurricanes' defense is already, all of those things we mentioned, Mm -hmm. unreal, fantastic, terrific. It's already good. If they have to, and this was one of the things we talked about, if they have to give up a forward of value to get better on defense, I might I might lose it. Like I, I wouldn't be able to comprehend the logic because their defense is great, their offense is solid. Why would you rob from solid to give to great? The opposite should happen, right? If you're going to have to take from one pocket to to pay off the other, you you're going to go from the defense to the offense. That's the only way it makes sense. So Eric Carlson is a great player. It's fun to fantasize about. Every, I mean, every fan of any sport does it. Sure. You see a player is available on the trade market, and your your head starts to, you know, dance with daydreams and and everything. Okay, fine. If that's it, if it's just a fun exercise, if it's like the lottery for you, you buy a ticket not because you expect to win, but because you enjoy thinking of uh, what you would spend it on, and it gives you twenty minutes of of entertainment. Fine. Right. Which island are you going to buy? What car? Where are your ski chalet and your beach house going to be? Mm-hmm. It's fine. How great would the defense be with Orlov and Carlson added to what was one of, if not the best unit a season ago in the entire league? That's a that's a ski chalet and a beach house, right? If you want to do that, fine. But realistically, you have to say, yeah, it's probably too too pricey. Probably not worth the squeeze, if you will. And then you can dance, you know, that that daydream can dance over to Vladimir Tarasenko or somewhere else where that you might actually get to the root of the problem, which is goal scoring. Yeah. If you told me you could you you could get Tarasenko and you were gonna get the player that scored thirty plus goals every year he was healthy for a decade, then I don't think this Carlson problem is or this Carlson question is even brought up because I'm I'm too busy smashing the take button on Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. But he had 18 goals in 69 games last year. I don't know if that gets it done. So I guess it all comes down to this. Tarasenko's a maybe, but you have to depend on your scouting department. You have to say, is he still there now in his, would you call it mid-30s? He's 31. Yeah. Going into his 30s. Going He's into been his 30s. Yeah, while. there you go. Gosh, sometimes those hockey guys, they start so early. Um in his 30s, are you going to get the player that, that can score 35? That can score 30-plus consistently? Mm-hmm. If you're going to get that, then then we're done here. At least he is the correct position and the correct skill set. And at least he is a bit less pricey because he's already a free agent. You're still going to have to move around some things to fit him into your, your, uh, your salary cap. Yeah. But if I hear the clip one more time, the Canes are a free agency destination now. Right, players want to come play for them. If that's the case, tell Tarasenko six million. He made seven and a half per year on his previous deal. Tell him six million, but you might be the piece to put us over the top and, and go win a Stanley Cup. How much is that worth to you? Do it for one year. One year deal, six million. Tarasenko, I'll find a way to make that work. Where they have two and a half million on the cap right now at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I can find I can find the extra three and a half for you. Now, if you want eight, if you want a pay raise from where you were last year at seven and a half, Oof. I don't know if I don't know if I can find that much money under the cap, but I, I think I could find, I think I could find three and a half for you. So Tarasenko, maybe Carlson, fun to think about, 
But no. Fun to think about, but absolutely not. As terrific, magnificent, and everything else that he is.